Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. Tonight, uh, about a topic that's very close to my heart, and I hope that um, you can take something from the, from this tonight. Now, first of all, I'd just like to uh, say my family is with me tonight. My dad, John Butler, and uh, my sister, Cynthia, and brother-in-law, Don Kelly. Precious family I have. I'm the most blessed with an awesome family. My, uh, I accidentally told my dad about preparing on this sermon, and he and I talk about the Bible, and we share notes. And, and uh, I told him about a sermon I was working on, and he told my sister that they needed to be here. So here they are. So I love you, Dad, Cynthia, and Don. Wonderful family I have. So glad to have you all with us tonight. We're going to be reading uh, a good bit of scripture uh, in a few moments, but for right now, uh, let me say a prayer, and then we'll just jump right in. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for everyone that you've called into this house. We know that no one comes except they be called. You've called these people. They've responded, dear God. They've come here. I pray that you'd open their ears, open their hearts, and help us to receive what it is that you're speaking. Help me to deliver what you put on my heart. We ask that in Jesus' name, knowing you're going to do a special work tonight. The title of my sermon tonight is Playing Hurt. And I know that this is a topic that uh, many of you are already familiar with in one way or another. And we've all seen this in uh, maybe a young child that needs attention. Maybe it's Lyra Jane, uh, or maybe your own child, or maybe that child in your extended family that you get to spend a lot of time with at family functions, but um, sometimes that child will, will bring forth a fake cry, or maybe uh, they pretend that something's bothering them, or uh, maybe they fall down, or they brush some part of their body against a piece of furniture or something like that, and they start wailing and flopping, and it, it was, it's obvious that they're really seriously injured. And we as adults, we've, we've learned how to play that game. So we, we hug them and kiss them. And then we start talking about that's a horrible bobo. And wow, that's a bad, bad bobo. And then we start talking to objects. And we start calling out bad chair, mean floor, you know, bad spoon. So um, <coughs> actually we see this playing hurt in other areas as well. Um, some of you have seen this in sports and even, even believe it or not, in professional sports, in football or uh, basketball. I'm glad to see some of my sports fans came in here from work a little bit late here. Uh, so in sports, they actually have a name for this. They call it flopping. Not being the learned sports fan, uh, I just learned about this not too long ago, but it's, it's quite entertaining. And so just like the children do, um, these professional ball players that make millions and millions of dollars, they know how to play this game too. So when a, a player, he needs a timeout and they don't have a timeout, or when the other team's playing a hurry-up offense and they just no huddle, they just play, 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 and the poor defensive guys are worn out, they need to take a break, and if, if somebody doesn't call a timeout, they just, they just have to take it into their own hands. So they flop. And so actually I was tempted to bring um, – a little video of that tonight, but uh, I, I've spared you that and saved our, our media team a little more headache other than what I did already. But, yeah, in professional sports, it's very entertaining. Uh, go check it out. Some of these guys, big old football players making millions of dollars, 
they like play the game and they kind of like hardly catch their breath and they walk along and it's like all of a sudden fall down. And, and it's really funny because uh, they, they, they have to be careful when they fall or they might really hurt themselves. So they have to kind of ease down a little bit, but, but they lay on the ground and they start holding their leg. And then when the ref, you know, calls the playoff, they have to jump up and run off. But so are you all, uh, you all familiar with this playing hurt? Uh, I'm seeing some shaking hands, some shaking heads. So, um, okay, good. Well, that's, I'm, I'm glad that everybody's familiar with that topic. That's not what I'm going to be preaching about tonight. There's actually another meaning to playing hurt. And the other meaning is entirely different. It involves adults and not children. It involves real life and not games. It involves real pain. It's not tin-like pain. And most importantly, everyone in this building tonight has probably been in that situation and had to play that game before. And everyone listening via the podcast, most of you have been involved in that scenario where You were forced to play hurt. And that's what I'm going to be preaching about for the next few minutes. But this topic actually came to my attention several years ago uh, through a a confluence or a merger of events that were going on in my life. On the one hand, uh, Brett Favre, and and if this is not your favorite player, don't hold it against me, but Brett Favre was nearing the end of his career, and there was much talk about when he would retire, whether he would win another Super Bowl, uh, whether he would continue his streak of consecutive starts and how his career would end. And so being the casual observer of these sports and reading headlines occasionally, I, I was aware of that. And Brett was an amazing athlete. And uh, actually what attracted many fans to Brett Favre was his toughness. And many in the NFL media, they write articles and they comment about tough players in these leagues sometime. And so many times they would – I've read some articles where they were listing out the toughest players to ever play the game. (coughs) Excuse me. Brett Favre, he's actually at the top of several of those lists that I read. And you see Brett Favre, he still holds the NFL record for consecutive starts in his game. In a sport where teams play 16 games in a regular season per year, Brett has 321 consecutive starts that means for 18 and a half years he never missed a game including playoff games conference championships and super bowls after completion of the regular season so every sunday during that season for 18 and a half years brett was playing football and the most interesting thing about that to me is during that time brett was occasionally injured and some of the injuries that brett played through during that time, included a first-degree shoulder separation, deep thigh bruise, severely bruised left hip, severely sprained left ankle, wind knocked out of him coupled with coughing up blood, sprained right thumb, right elbow tendonitis, left midfoot sprain, sprained lateral collegment of the left knee, broken left thumb, soft ball-sized bruise of the left hamstring, a mild concussion, Sprained right hand, injured ulnar nerve of the right elbow, burn spurs on the left ankle, torn right biceps, pulled groin, stress fracture of the left ankle coupled with an avulsion fracture of the calcaneus, and a sprained sternoclavicular joint of the right shoulder. And all this time, he was playing football every Sunday. The second thing that was happening in my life at the same time when I was reading some of these headlines, I was doing a little running and a little swimming, like I've talked about a few times before, just 
uh, an old man trying to stay kind of healthy. Uh, and I noticed that I was, as I was doing my training, uh, I wasn't in really good condition, and I thought I was busy at work. And so, you know, as I would be getting close to a little race or a competition, sometimes I didn't start early enough in my training, and I had to train a little bit too hard, and I maybe injured myself a little bit. And so I realized that, you know, wow, I got this difficult situation. I have to train to get in the race, but if I train too hard, I'm going to hurt myself. So just I didn't know what to do about that. But it was at such a time as this that I saw a news article one day where Brett uh, was, was interviewed and the, the writer was commenting on that. And as these sports uh, reporters do, you know, they, they, would, they would put the mic in their face, you know, like, oh, okay, well, the playoffs are coming. You know, will you be able, Brett, will you be able to make another run for the Super Bowl? And will you be able to keep your streak going? Are you 100%? Uh, and, and where are you? And so it was Brett's response that actually struck me and has actually had a pretty significant impact on my life since that time. And Brett said, actually, I am ready to go. Actually, I am going to be able to finish the season. If we make it to the playoffs, I'll be ready. If we make it to the Super Bowl, I'm going to be able to play. He said, to answer your question, I'm not 100%. And then he said, actually, I haven't been 100% in quite a few years. But I'll be ready to go, and we'll play the game. And it was at that time that I realized I don't have to be at 100% to play the game. And from that point, when I was doing my little training, I had a sore knee, I had a sore foot, whatever it was I had. I just kind of pressed on through that, and I kept going. And amazingly, I was able to enter all those races. I was able to start all those races. I was able to finish all those races, and I did kind of decent. But I realized I don't have to be 100% to play the game. And tonight, I did not come to talk to you about football or about Anthony's running around the block or his swimming or training. But I came to preach about the real world in which you live every day and about what God has called you to do and how you can accomplish every dream that God has given you and about the things that may be holding you back. Those injuries came close to holding Brett back, but I want to talk about some of the things that might be holding you back. So I'd like to take just a moment, uh, and I would like for you to join me here. So think about your dreams and what God has called you to do. What's, he, he must have called you out to do some things in the kingdom. He's talked to you about your career, and he's talked to you about your ministry. So if you would, just fill in the blank. If only blank, then I could blank. So some of you might be saying, if only I had that next position, if I could just move one step higher on the ladder, or maybe if I didn't have to do shift work or turnarounds, or maybe if God would just instantly heal me from that condition that I have in my body. Or maybe if I was out of school, then I could do this. That's what's holding me back. Or maybe just if I had a boyfriend or that special girl that I am, am talking to. Or maybe if I wasn't overweight. Or maybe if my spouse was more focused and would really join me in some of these things that I think we really need to be doing. Or maybe if your spouse would not have left you. Or maybe that preacher and his wife and the people at that church that hurt you. Or maybe that family member of yours that is suffering from a condition. If just they weren't doing that and they didn't require daily care, 
that affects our entire family. Or maybe if my parents wouldn't have treated me the way they did. Or maybe if I could just find work in another field that would allow me to make good money, um, then I think I could really accomplish my goals and, and reach my dreams. And, you know, maybe if, if, if I could just get my children in church, um, then I really think I could go ahead and do what God wanted me to do, and I could fulfill some of my dreams. Maybe if, if I could just get those credit cards paid off, just one time if I could get them paid off, or if I could get out of debt, then I would be able to do those things that God placed in my heart and really go after my dreams. But I just would like us to pause tonight, and I would like to tell you, I believe Brett Favre had most of those same conversations. And he would say, you know, really, I really wanted to do some great things in playing football, except I had all these injuries. But he didn't do that. He decided to play through that. So I believe God sent me here tonight with a word to tell you, you are perfectly positioned right now to do everything that you've dreamed about doing and to pursue every promise that God has placed in your heart. Now, I reflect back to the message that Brendan preached on Sunday morning, a great message. And Brendan well laid out for us that one of the devil's favorite tricks is to convince you that your dream is dead and to make you give up. I believe that the devil is trying to use that trick on some of you. I believe the devil would love for you to believe that your dream is dead and it's time to move on. But go with me. Uh, I'd like to read a little scripture here, and I'd like to, um, to talk about the life of one very interesting man in the Bible that, that showed us how to deal with many of these situations right here. But in Exodus 3, um, verse 1 through 11, we read about the man Moses. And I'm sure those of you that heard me preach a few times before know that what Moses is a really, really important figure to me. But let me just read a little bit of this scripture here. I think it's very significant in, in what we're talking about. Exodus 3, uh, beginning at, at verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. This is some pretty, pretty cool stuff that's happening here. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. I have also seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you. Send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. 
So God really came down and he spoke to Moses in a special way. He's doing he had a lot of effects with this delivery here. But then Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So God tells Moses he wants to send him. And there's so much backstory that's really amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm resisting going deeper into that tonight. But God has called Moses to lead his children, the children of Israel, out of the bondage that Pharaoh had them in. But Moses said, who am I? He didn't feel like he was qualified. He said, I'm hurt. I, I'm not able to do this. So at, in verse 13, then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent to you. Now, this right here is obviously the scripture that Pastor preached that amazing message from when he preached that I am who the I am says I am. What a powerful, powerful message that was. But God is telling Moses, I'm sending you out to do this work. The I am is sending you to do this. So we look further um, in Exodus 4 and reading just a few more verses here. I'm hastening. Uh, Exodus 4 verse 1. Then Moses answered and says, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, What is in your hand? He said, A rod. So basically, uh, without reading this entire verse here, we most of us know that story where God said, you know, look at the rod in your hand, and God demonstrated what all he could do with the rod. He laid it down and became a serpent. He grabbed it, picked it back up, it turned back into a rod, and he could do special things with the rod. So God was showing him, okay, I've given you the name. I've given you the power with the I am. I'm giving you this rod. I'm really equipping you to go do the work that I'm calling you out to do. But Moses still wasn't convinced. So in verse 10 of Exodus 4, Moses says, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Please send someone else. So here we are. We, we find a man that, that we know turns out to be quite a major, major player in the Bible, Moses. And God is doing some miraculous things around him with lots of effects, calling him out to do a work. And Moses said, I'm not eloquent. I'm, I speak kind of slow, and I really don't think I can do it. So basically, God called Moses to get on the field, go play the game. And Moses said, well, I really, I really don't, don't think I can do that. So the Lord said to him in verse 11, Who has made man's mouth, or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. So, and, and you know, before we hate on Moses too much, uh, what if President Obama or President Trump, uh, they really had a serious speech impediment and they couldn't talk and so they had to bring their brother up to do this, uh, which is what God talked to Moses about next. I kind of sympathize with Moses a little bit. So in verse 14, he, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses and he said, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. 
and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God, and you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do these signs. So God gets angry with Moses because he wouldn't respond, and he wouldn't take the field. When they called his name, when they called his number, he wasn't ready to go and get on the field. But the good news is Moses decided to get in the game and to see if God would come through. We know the rest of that story. I'm not going to read much more of it, but we know the story. Moses did decide to go along and see if God really would accomplish those things that he talked to him about and if Moses really could reach his destiny. But the sad news is because Moses did not trust God initially, and when God called him out to go do the work, he didn't get up and go do it. He was like making all these excuses. And he told God, I can't speak. I'm slow. I, I can't communicate well. And so what did God do after he became angry? He still worked with him. He called him again, and he said, well, your brother Aaron, I'm going to send him to be your spokesman. So actually, Moses wouldn't just get up and go do what God asked him to do. God had to find somebody else to help him out and to do a lot of that work. So I just kind of pause, and, and I'm nearing the end of my discussion on Moses here. I know this is a lot, but I just ask you, you know, the things that God has called you to do, the dreams that you have in your heart, are you going to do those? Are you going to say, well, you know, I have these issues. I can't do this. Uh, will, you let, will you stand by? Will you pause long enough for God to choose somebody else to go and do this? Or will you get in the game and go and get that reward and go accomplish that for yourself? Will you accept that position at life point? Will you continue to lead your family? Will you continue to do what God has called you out to do? So concluding our story about Moses here, because Moses decided to play hurt, he was a little reluctant. He was very reluctant, but he did go, and he did get in the game. And even though he couldn't speak, and even though he had these, these issues, he still was willing to go. So Moses had no idea at the time that these things would be done. But hastening on uh, with our story about Moses, even though Moses did not want to get in the game and he didn't feel like he could do what he wanted to do, just look at what happened. We know the story of how when Moses went to Pharaoh uh, to try to get the children of Israel freed, that God sent a lot of plagues. And it was the 10th plague uh, when the firstborn in every family would, be, would die that night. And so here's what happened after Moses worked through all that and got in the game and actually did what God had asked him to do. In Exodus uh, chapter 12, verse 31. So after Pharaoh had had ten, nine plagues upon his people and he, he was hard-headed and he wouldn't let the people go, the tenth plague came and, and Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Also take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. I just kind of like that. That's a pretty cool verse right there. He, he, he finally got Pharaoh's attention, and Pharaoh said, okay, that's all. I played games for nine times, no more. You and all your people, you be gone. And also, on the way, I'm, I believe you probably got some power. Go ahead and bless me on the way out. And then verse 33, and the Egyptians 
urged the, the people themselves, urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, if you don't hurry, we shall all be dead. So because Moses was willing to play that game, even though he was a little hurt, that's what happened. In Exodus 20, verse 1 through 12, it tells a story of God giving Moses the Ten Commandments. God didn't when God called Moses to do these things, and Moses was slow to accepting. God didn't tell him all this. But Moses received the Ten Commandments. Beautiful story there about God coming on the mountain and giving that. But in the other books that, that Moses, uh, that contains his work, uh, so much law, way more than the Ten Commandments. And being a student of the law, I can tell you, much of the law that we have in the world today is based on those Ten Commandments and the statutes and the ordinances, hundreds and thousands of statutes and ordinances that Moses delivered to those people. All of this because Moses was willing to get in the game. And I know you'll find this hard to believe, but after finally agreeing to get in the game and do what God asked him to do, Moses was hurt again. He was hurt to start with. He felt he wasn't qualified and he couldn't do this. But then in Numbers chapter 20, verse 1 through 12, Moses had led the children of Israel out in the wilderness, and most of you know something about this, but they were out in the wilderness for quite a long time. And they didn't have what they wanted to eat. They didn't have what they wanted to drink. And some of them were saying, wow, I wish we would have just stayed in Egypt because we had it kind of good. They worked us hard, but at least we had what we needed over there. So Moses and Aaron, they got together. They went and talked to God, and God said, okay, well, I'm going to give them some water. And so God told Moses and Aaron, he said, you take that rod. Remember the rod you've been using? He said, go over there. Uh, but when you get to the people and you want water this time, I want you to speak to the rock, and the water will flow, and the people will be watered. They'll have all they want to drink, and I'm also providing food for them. But Moses, he was losing a little bit of his patience, and Moses went over there. They needed the water, and rather than speaking to the rock so the water could flow out so the people could drink, Moses kind of got a little upset, and he took the rod, and he struck the rock twice. And for that very disobedience right there, he was not allowed to bring the children into the promised land. But I'm only telling you, so after, so God basically told him at that time, a couple of points here hastening along, God told Moses to speak to the rock and he was going to send water out for the people. Moses chose to take his rod that he had used before and that he kind of thought he had figured out. He said, well, I know this game. I know what I really need to do. I just need to hit this rock. So he went ahead and took it in his own hands and hit the rock. That wasn't what God asked him to do. But God did honor his word, and God did bring water out of the rock, except he just punished Moses for disobeying. But my point in all this is Moses didn't feel like he was qualified to do this to begin with. Now he's out here in the game playing hurt, doing whatever he can do, and he makes a mistake, and he gets punished again. So that kind of relates to some things that happened in my life, and it kind of relates to some things that, I've seen in your lives. And when we don't think we are able to do things, sometimes we get up and we try to do it anyway, and then we go out, and things don't work out perfectly. We think it should just be really easy, but it doesn't always turn out like that. But finishing up with our discussion on Moses here, because Moses chose to get in the game and respond, because after he was hurt again, he didn't quit. He stayed in the game. He kept serving. Moses never gave up until he finished all the work that God called him to do. So Deuteronomy 34, 1 through 5, 
powerful stuff. Just go and read it when, you, when you're in your personal devotion. You want some good reading. Deuteronomy 34, God buried Moses in the land of Moab. After, at the end of Moses' life, when he went, God showed him the promised land, but he said he couldn't go over there. And Moses died right there. God buried Moses, not his people. God buried Moses in the land, and no one knew where he was buried. There's a lot of discussion on why that was, but pretty significant stuff God did for this man who didn't think he was qualified to lead. Deuteronomy 34.10 says, Since that time that Moses was here, there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses. This was a guy that couldn't speak. He had a bad speech impediment. There has not been another prophet since in the land of Israel like Moses. And then lastly, in one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, Hebrews 11. Most of you know that is the chapter of faith, and it lists there many of the heroes of faith. And in, for example, uh, the chapter, Hebrews 11, it begins in verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God. Verse 5, by faith Enoch. Verse 7, by faith Noah. Verse 8, by faith Abraham. Verse 11, by faith Sarah. Just going down the list of people who had the faith. These are heroes of faith here. Verse 17, by faith Abraham. Verse 20, by faith Isaac. Verse 21, by faith Jacob. Verse 22, by faith Joseph. And finally, last in this chapter, verse 33, by faith Moses. Except it doesn't stop with verse 23. They talk about Moses in Hebrews 11 in verse 23, in verse 24, in verse 25, in verse 26, in verse 27, in verse 28, in verse 29. Seven verses talk about the work that God did through Moses when he honored the commitment at what God had asked him to do. Now, when Moses was called by God, he had no idea that all this stuff was going to happen. He had no idea what was going to develop and how God was going to use him. He didn't think he was qualified, but he decided to go anyway. I just submit to you tonight, when you pondered this earlier and you said, if only this, then I could do that. I think you, have, you said you could do that. You know that there's something you really want to do, some dream that you have, but you don't quite think you can do it. I'm just telling you, you have no idea, as evidenced by Moses, you have no idea what you can do and what God has in store for you. Some of you may have heard of Charles Krauthammer, or you may recognize this gentleman's picture here. Hopefully we have that pic. For many years I read articles in the newspaper or online, and I saw this gentleman as a news anchor, uh, and a member of panels discussing political issues on the evening news. I noticed that Charles Krauthammer was extremely bright. He was very passionate. He was a deep thinker, well-respected as a brilliant mind and a deep thinker. He had a, I, I noticed as I was watching him uh, on panel discussions when he was being interviewed, I just, he's, he's, I'm stunned at his brilliance and what he was saying, and he's well-known for this, but I just noticed that while he was speaking, he would uh, breathe very deeply, and uh, often he seemed to be out of breath while he was giving extended commentary. I mean, he would take a deep breath, and then he would go on for a few minutes giving some deep thoughts, and he would take another deep breath, and 
later on, much later on, I learned that in some circles, Charles Krauthammer would be considered handicapped. Charles Krauthammer was injured in a diving, diving into a swimming pool in his first year studying medicine at Harvard Medical School. He became permanently paralyzed from the waist down. He spent 14 months in rehab in the hospital. He returned to Harvard after that and graduated from medical school. He became a psychiatrist and was involved in the creation of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which those of you that study that, I believe that's commonly referred to as the DSM-3 that Charles Krauthammer was instrumental in developing. He worked in President Jimmy Carter's administration. He became a speechwriter for Walter Mondale. He became a columnist and a political commentator. He won the Pulitzer Prize. He was a weekly panelist on the PBS news program Inside Washington. He was a contributing editor of the Weekly Standard. He was a nightly panelist on the Fox News Channel. This is all from a man who was paralyzed from the waist down, diving into a swimming pool in his first year of medical school. My family and I had the opportunity to see and meet Krauthammer when he visited uh, New Orleans for a book signing. And it was then that we noticed without the aid of television crews to position him. Uh, and when we got fairly close to him in an intimate setting, we could see that he was using a wheelchair. And we could see that he was struggling greatly to breathe. And he could only sign and autograph his books because he had a big brace on his hand that would hold it in place. And it was made so that it would hold a pen so that he could make his mark in the front of his books. Charles Krauthammer had every excuse to sit on the sidelines and watch. Certainly no one would have considered him a quitter if he didn't return to Harvard Medical School after being injured in that diving accident. But Charles realized he did not need to be 100% to be great. He had that same understanding that Brett Favre had. I haven't been 100% in quite a long time, but I will play the game. I will be ready to go, and I will pursue my dreams, and I will reach out to the things that God has promised me. Even though Charles Krauthammer lost a lot in that accident, he still had a lot to give. And he decided that is exactly what he did, what he would do. He chose not to focus on what he didn't have. He chose to focus on what he still had to use and to give. He didn't even want people to know that he was in a wheelchair. Sorry, we didn't get the pick here. Charles Krauthammer, for most of the time I saw him in the news, you couldn't even tell he was handicapped in any way. He was sitting at the desk along with everyone else with a really tiny wheelchair behind him supporting him, but the man could barely move his arms under his own power. Charles Krauthammer realized, I'm not 100%. I don't have that part of my body anymore. I lost the function of 50% of my body, but I still have a lot to give, and that's what I'm going to do. So stand with me, if you would, and uh, I would invite you to join me here. Uh, I, I'm going to talk in a moment about, and, and come on down to the front, if you would. Uh, I'm going to, to talk in a moment about the things that you placed in the blank uh, when I asked you that a moment ago about the things that might distract you or hold you back or the things that are hurting you or how you have been hurt and the things that are keeping you from reaching and doing what God wants you to do. But in closing, I want to show you a short video clip that became quite popular in Louisiana 
uh, a few months ago. And before we play that video clip, uh, I want to give you just a short background here. Not surprising, it might involve sports. After a great LSU season, <coughs> the LSU football team was invited to play in the Fiesta Bowl in Glendale, Arizona. In the first quarter of the game, the University of Central Florida, known as UCF, was up 7-3, to three, and Joe Burrow had just led the Tigers down to the UCF 15-yard line. It was third down and eight. So Joe Burrow's team, did most of you know Joe Burrow? I know someone's still here. Joe Burrow's team was down 7-3. to three. The game was going on. It went into the first quarter. Joe felt good driving his team down to the 15-yard line. He really needed to score some points here to get his team back in the game. Third down and eight. This is really, really big play. So Joe Burrow threw a pass. Unfortunately, it made its way into the hands of defensive back Brandon Moore. And the ball was intercepted. And Brandon Moore returned that ball 93 yards for another UCF touchdown. And also a place in the record books of the Fiesta Bowl for Brandon Moore because that was the longest interception and return in Fiesta Bowl history. But it was actually what happened to Joe Burrow after that interception that turned out to be more important than the interception and that long return by Brandon Moore. After the pass was intercepted, being the Tiger that he is, Burrow momentarily forgot about being a quarterback. He forgot about all the offensive schemes that he had been studying and what he had posted on his arm right here. He forgot about leading the offense, and he forgot about that pass that he threw, and he became a defensive back. Joe's goal switched to one thing. He said, I have to stop that guy right there that's about to score points on my team. So hopefully we have the video available here. Let's see what happened next. Joe Burrow took a huge hit right there. And for a second, he was not able to get up. Most of us LSU fans thought that he couldn't finish the game. And as Brendan preached to us on Sunday, he said the devil wants to convince you that your dream is dead. For most of us Tiger fans, pardon me that I play so many sports examples, but most of us around my house, when we saw that play right there, our dreams pretty much died right there, too. We didn't think Joe Burrow could get off that turf, and we thought we were down 15-3 to three at that point in time. We thought the game was over. We thought our dream of winning a championship had just died. But Joe rolled over, and he got to his hands and knees right there. And at, around my house, we were talking about what it would have been like, and our, our dreams pretty much died right there. But Joe Burrow got to his hands and knees, and he caught his breath, and he made a decision. He got back to his feet, and he made the decision, I'm fixing to play hurt. 
I'm fixing to go and play this game. And I'm sorry to be so dramatic, and, and maybe most of you don't enjoy sports as much as some of us, but the reason this, the reason this is interesting to me, you see, I've seen people in this congregation, uh, you weren't playing football, but you got hit just like that. I've seen you take hits. And prior to that play in the game, Burrow had completed only two of six passes for 31 yards. Afterward, in the rest of that three quarters of the game, Joe Burrow threw for a career-high 394 yards and four touchdown passes, and he led the Tigers to a huge win in the Fiesta Bowl. Now, I'm sorry if you don't like football or if you think I overplay this. This is not about football tonight. This is about the hits that you have taken, and many of you have taken hits just like Joe Burrow, and many of you do not think you will ever get up. Certainly the devil doesn't think you're going to get up. Brendan well told us, when the devil hits you, he sees you on the turf and he convinces you, he wants to convince you, I, I don't think he's going to make it tonight, he wants to convince you your dream is dead. Brennan and I really believe that what the devil did was not kill your dream. As Brendan eloquently preached on Sunday morning, we believe what the devil did was to wake up a sleeping giant. UCF, they said, if we can hurt Joe Burrow, we can win this game. They, this is not the only time they did this to Joe Burrow. They put him down several times just like that. I didn't want to waste your time with it, but they said if we can hurt Joe Burrow, we'll win this game because they knew he could had the potential to pass for 400 yards. The devil knows your potential, and he says, I'm going to put a serious hit on them, and that will kill their dream, and I won't have to worry about them anymore. I just suggest tonight he probably guessed wrong. Brendan does not believe that he kills your dream. Brennan believes he broke a sleeping giant. He awoke a sleeping giant, and I believe that as well. And I'm sorry to be dramatic with this, but I just see many of you in this position right here. I believe you have been hit, and I believe you are considering what you can do. I believe you're catching your breath. I believe you are onto your hands and feet, and you are thinking about what you can do. I don't believe your dream is dead. For those of you that filled in the blank, if I only had that next position at work, I believe that you are that position. You are that person already. You just don't have the title. Your coworkers don't know it yet, but you are that person. I don't believe your dream is dead. For those that you're working shift work and turnarounds, God is standing in the balance when you are not there. For those that God has chosen not to instantly heal you, you know, Paul had a condition, Apostle Paul, uh, he, he spoke of it as a thorn in his side. He said, I prayed three times. You know, I, I wanted to go do some great things, and I had this thorn in my side, he called it. We don't know what exactly what it was. Uh, and God didn't take it away. But Paul's dream didn't die either. While Paul was dealing with that, while Paul was in prison, he wrote messages that we're still reading today. I believe God knows exactly where you are. For those that you said, I I'm just not out of school. If I could finally get out of school. Well, Trey Nealon showed us what it's like. Trey Nealon said, if only I was out of school, then you know, I want to be a missionary. I want to be a preacher. I want to do these things. But Trey was in vet school, so he just decided to bring three of his classmates over here. And his classmates have gotten the Holy Ghost, and they're being touched. And, you know, for those of you that 
wish your spouse uh, had, a, had a better cooperation with you. I believe God knows exactly where you are. And in closing tonight, I find myself, and, and I think you can tell from my references to Brett Favre and what's happened over many years, this is something that God spoke to me about a long time ago. I've just been enjoying it. I've been benefiting from it myself, and I wanted to preach this message, and I believe, uh, I, I hope God uh, asked me to preach this to you tonight. I hope it means something to you. But as I have been in these services, when I'm in worship service, and the, everybody is worshiping, the power is flowing, and God is moving. I look around this building, and I can only sob. When I see the people that have taken hits, just like Joe Burrow did, some people, and, and I will not call any names. I don't want to embarrass anybody or bring attention to them. There are young people in this building whose parent decided they don't want to be a parent anymore. They just left the family. Those young people did not give up on their dream. They're worshiping, they're singing, they're playing music in this church. There are those whose spouse decided we need to go do something else. These people are still in the house tonight, praising, worshiping, doing what God's called them out to do. A couple of weeks ago, Urshan College uh, Chorale Group joined us, and those of you that were here, wonderful service, you heard from Lance, whose mother committed suicide in 2007. Afterward, he had only his father to lean on until his father died from an accidental overdose in 2011. Lance did not give up. Lance got back on his hands and feet, caught his breath, and he said, guess what? The devil just put two huge hits on me, but my dream is not dead. Lance has graduated from Urshan Bible College. He's dating a nice young lady that we met. They're planning to get married, and Lance is pursuing the dreams that God put in his heart. He's decided to play hurt. For those of you that are caring for a family member, I just tell you, I see what you are doing. You don't let this slow you down at all. You're here so much. I think you remind me of, of Charles Krauthammer. For people that don't know the backstory and they just see what you're doing, they wouldn't know you had any family member you're taking care of. You don't miss a single service. You don't miss a single opportunity to do everything that, that you can do at this church. For those of you that are looking for a career change, I see you working in the job you have right now and believing God. I know he's coming through, and he's going to give you that next promotion. For those of you that said you have credit cards, you wish you could get out of debt, I believe that you are going to see that accomplished. Pastor brought to us the debt-free initiative for 2019. I believe you are going to see what it is that, that you are dreaming of in that realm. And to those of you that are back in the game, I just challenge you, stay in the game. Don't let the devil convince you that your dreams have died. To those of you that have not got back into the game yet and you're still saying, I heard the call, I had the dream, I know that God wants me to do this, I see what I want to do in my career, I think I missed my turn, that distracted me, I'm off course, I really can't get there from here, don't believe that. The devil wants you to think your dream is dead. I don't believe that. I'm really closing now. Many of you will probably remember about two or three weeks ago that Brother, Bragg, Brother Greg came down on a Sunday morning uh, right to the front during the worship service right over here. Brother Greg had on a bright, white, nice suit that morning. I bet many of you would remember seeing him right over here. And Brother Greg was getting his worship on. 
I was sitting about halfway back in this session right here, and I was envious. Brother Greg, was he was getting it on. And I wanted so bad to go and join him. I, I was this far from joining him. I had my pew was full that morning, and I didn't want to distract anybody. But he kept worshiping through the entire set right down here. And then after the worship session was over and, and Pastor Donovan came back, um, he said, Brother Greg, just keep going. You, just whatever you need, you keep going there. You're fine. And he kept going. And after church that night, I, I, that morning, I talked to Greg. And I said, Greg, I love the way you were worshiping. I love the way you were worshiping and going after what God had for you. I said, I was this close to coming to worship with you. I, I wish I would have gotten out of my pew and made it down there. Brother Greg said, Anthony, God spoke to me this morning. He said, I was awake before daylight this morning. He said, God talked to me about some things, about some dreams. And again, I don't want to bring anything. Brother Greg's been hurt. We've all been hurt. We've taken some licks. Brother Greg took some hits like Joe Burrow did right there. But he said, when I was awake before daylight this morning, God was talking to me about some things. And I just realized that victories and the things that God promised me don't come easy. But he said, some things you have to fight for. And some things are worth fighting for. And he said, you know, I, I think Brother Greg, he, he, he didn't put in exactly these words that I'm using right now. But I think Brother Greg said, I don't think my dream's dead. I had these dreams. I took some huge hits, but I think my dream has a pulse. I believe there's still a little life in it. I'm going to bring that dream back to life and see what God is going to do. So I'm sorry if I've been uh, too long here tonight, but I'm just passionate about this. I believe that God has called you to do some great things. I know that you have dreams. I know that there are plans you have. And I'm, I know about some of the things that have happened in your lives I know that you've been distracted. I know you think I missed that opportunity. For Because of that turn right there, I won't be able to get back there. I'm just telling you tonight, don't believe it. Your dream is not dead. There's life in your dream. There's a pulse in your dream, and I'm asking you just to get in the game and to play hurt. So they're going to um, sing a song again here, and I just ask you, commit yourself back to God again. Trust him that he is going to fulfill. You saw what he did in Moses' life. I know that God is going to fulfill the dreams that you have. Your dream is not dead, so rededicate yourself to him right now and reach out, and I believe he's going to speak new life into our dreams right now. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.